Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Laura Samara. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. So today we're bringing you an interview with my friend Becky Nixon. I recently traveled to visit family in Kentucky and caught up with her. Uh, She's an old friend of mine and she still is back in Kentucky. I'm kind of nervous about this. Oh, don't be nervous. Okay, so I'm here with my friend Becky and uh, I think you have a really interesting and unique story about how you met your future husband and how you all dated uh, leading up to marriage. Uh, (laughs) So could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Becky Nixon. I'm married to Harold. We have two little girls here that we get the privilege of raising on earth, Colette and Izzy. And then we have three little saints in heaven, Victor, Lucy, and Hans, that uh, we keep busy with lots of intercessory prayers. And how long have you been married now? Six years. Wow. Just over six years. Yep. So could you tell me the story of how you all met and your dating story? Okay, so it's totally, it's completely a God thing. I had spent a semester at Franciscan, and it was really expensive, and so I left and came back and was hired at our parish as the youth minister. And I was just busy working and trying to help lead kids closer to Christ, and they couldn't pay much, so I had like two other jobs, and and it was just busy. At the time, I was on Catholic Match kind of looking through profiles, looking but not looking, if you will. And I had noticed this guy in Winchester, um, and I lived in Lexington, so it's only 20 minutes away, and it was like the first local guy I'd seen. And, I mean, he wasn't ugly. <laughs> he, I mean, he was, he's not Brad Pitt, but, you know, he's not unfortunate either. Like, he was, he was a normal-looking guy. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, well, that's nice, because at the time it was kind of difficult it seemed like everybody all the guys I was seeing on Catholic Match were either (laughs) really fantastic looking or not or really not (laughs) and that's a probably a very vain thing but he was normal looking and I'm like hey normal I like that that's up my alley so I read through his profile and he had written an ode to Limeade and how much he loved lime and how it was underappreciated because everybody's always about lemonade and they are idiots because limeade is fantastic And it made me laugh. I truly laughed out loud. And I thought, this guy's funny. And so I didn't, nothing came of it. I wasn't going to like send him a message or a wink or whatever it was because I had the cheap free account and Mm. wasn't about to pay for anything. So I'm at mass a few weeks later and I stand up and I have say an announcement, you know, I need adults. I basically just need warm bodies as chaperones at youth group stuff because I was the only one and I had like 15 kids coming every week and, you know, I just needed warm bodies there. Come talk to me after mass. And he, Harold, came up and approached me. And we start talking. And I realized like two minutes in that this is the Limeade guy from Catholic Match. (laughs) Hey, well, how awesome is this? Thanks, God. So we're talking and I'm like thinking to myself, he's going to volunteer. I'm going to get to know him through youth group. Like, how awesome is this? He wants to volunteer to help with youth group. This is perfect. And I look at him and I, and I ask him about volunteering for youth group. And he stops like dead in his tracks and looks at me and he goes, kids, no, I don't want to volunteer. I hate kids. 
<laughs> and I was just like, what? Why are you wasting my time? I wanted to talk to volunteer completely over my head that he was talking to me because he wanted to get to know me because he was interested in me. And I totally blew him off. So that was April. Did not see or talk to him again until January the following year. So fast forward like six months to November-ish, or I guess seven months. And I have uh, one of my middle schoolers' moms comes up and and she does the whole, I know someone who's interested in you, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, really? Who? Well, he goes to our parish, and he's a really nice guy. He's, he's kind of quiet, and he's a convert, and he's a musician. He's really creative, and he's interested in getting to know you. Okay, I have a picture of him here somewhere, and it was a little snapshot from a parish picnic, and he's in the middle of the picture, like 100 feet away. <laughs> so his, he's sitting in a chair. He's like not even an inch tall in the picture. You can't tell who he is. I'm like, okay, I have no idea who that is. And she's like, well, he's really busy. He's, he's out of town for gigs a lot, but you know, we'll, we'll get you guys introduced. Fast forward some more, a couple more months. It's January and I'm doing my spring semester kickoff and I'm building an obstacle course. So I needed help and I had asked for help and I had like three moms sign up to help. And that Sunday after mass was pancake breakfast Sunday and the youth group is helping serve. So I'm there and Harold doesn't like breakfast foods. So he usually doesn't stay for pancake breakfast, but his mom had talked him into it. And I think part of it was also because that Sunday we were taking down the Christmas trees in the parish and um, they needed help and he had agreed to help do that too. So we're all sitting around this table together and the three moms who said that they'll help me, one by one, oh, something's come up, I can't help. Oh, something's come up, I can't help. Oh, something, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can't help. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, so I gotta figure out how to build this by myself. And I can see Harold's mom kind of nudge him. And the other three moms that had said that they would help are all kind of looking at him. And he looks at them and he looks at me and he's like, Ugh, fine, I'll come help you. But I told him I was going to help clean up the church, and I'm going to go do that first. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's great. Thank you. So he comes over, and he helps me build the obstacle course, and we chat. I think it goes really well. I think he's a nice guy. Fine. He gets a phone call. Unbeknownst to me, it's his ex-girlfriend calling (laughs) because they had broken up, but, like, she was still talking to him and trying to not be broken up. And unbeknownst to me... He thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> He's like, uh, no. Like, I, she, she seems like an orthodox girl, but no, no. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't need to get to know her anymore. I, yeah. I, if I had known that he was thinking that, then I probably would have, like, not talked to him again. But I didn't know it. Thanks be to God for that. Mm-hmm. Because, so then I go, and I knew who his sponsor was, and I worked with her. So I got his number from her because my roommate and I were having a chilly night game night thing. So I call him to invite him and he comes and he's not a game night person. But at this point, he had really been trying to find fellowship with Catholics close to his age because most of the people that most of his friends, most of his acquaintances were either from music. And so most of them were older than him and in different parts of their lives and they weren't Catholic. Mm -hmm. He really wanted to find fellowship 
so, you know, like he would come to Theology on Tap and we would sit together some or, or things like that. But so he comes over because it's going to be a, a big group of Catholics and not just any Catholics. I had Catholic friends who did Meatless Fridays year round. So I was making a meatless chili just for them. Like he was going to get some uber Orthodox Catholics, <laughs> Yeah, you know, which by the way, the recipe I used for that meatless chili was absolutely awful. It was the worst thing ever. <laughs> and I remember thinking, man, I feel sorry for my friends that don't eat meat. Thank God I made this chicken chili because it's delicious. <sighs> and I ate that. But so he comes over, you know, it's it's going okay. Like it's a, it's a, it's a fun-ish night. He took the horrible meatless chili. He had me box it up and take it home uh-huh. so I wouldn't feel bad about how terrible it was. I think he threw it away when he got home, which is okay because that's what I would have done. But I thought that was sweet. But so... It was just, I mean, like, nothing really went all that well in the beginning. So he's over at the house for game night. We're playing um, Cranium, and we need to get a couple different colors, but blue is one of them. So we keep keep getting pick a color, and he keeps picking blue. And I remember I got really annoyed with it, and I looked at him, and I go, pick another color. And he was, yeah, he was like, well, there's another reason why. I'm not shouldn't talk to her anymore (laughs) and then my friend her husband was a youth minister in town and he had his kids on a retreat and the night at my house was kind of winding down and she was like we should go saran wrap my husband's car as a prank and I'm like yeah I'm in for that let's go bye everybody and like left him at my house (laughs) so yeah so then we just kind of started talking like I would call him and he would answer or he would call me because I work nights and there aren't many people that work nights that, you know, our schedules kind of worked out. So we would call and we would chat here and there. And every time we talked, he was like, he would hang up thinking, I'm never going to talk to her again. I just, no, I, I should not answer the phone when she calls. I'm just never, but he kept answering the phone and he kept calling me. We kept talking. Eventually he asked me out for our first date Our first date is to my little brother's high school play that I fell asleep during. So he was really embarrassed about that. And then we went out to dinner and he was like, if I I just, I'm just going to take her home. This date will be done. I'm just, she is not the girl for me. I am never going to talk to her again. So we go through six months of dating and that's basically his thought every single time, every date, every phone call. She's really not the girl for me. She's, I'm just going to, I'm going to take her home. I'm just going to, we're going to finish this phone call and I'm just not going to talk to her again. For me, it wasn't so much, I'm not going to talk to him again as it was. I had had a conversation with God before Harold and I started talking and I had thought, you know, I'm dating with a purpose in mind. I'm dating for marriage. Marriage, you have to work through stuff. You can't just let the piddly, peddly stuff get in the way. You have to you have to figure it out. You have to fight for your marriage. You have to work through it. The next relationship I'm in, that's what I'm going to do. Obviously, we're just dating, so obviously I have an out, an easy out if I absolutely need it, but I'm not going to use it until I've given it my all. Like, I just didn't want any what-ifs in the back of my mind. And so for me, I would have these thoughts of like, he seems really sensitive. He seems kind of wimpy. He seems really passive. I don't know that he could, you know, I wanted a husband that would make me feel safe and protected and and cherished. And I don't know if he can do that. And every time I had those thoughts, something would happen that would show me that he could. And God was like, huh, see, I told you. And so all of my doubts kept getting answered. So 
we're six months in and he's like, never again. I'm not going to talk to her. No, not the girl for me. No, no, no. And I'm like, maybe, maybe it could work. Eh, I have no reason to dump him yet. And so we keep dating by about a year and a half, year, year and a half. I was pretty sold that I wanted to marry him and we had talked marriage, but he was still just very not certain about things. And it was just one of those things. Like it was kind of a circular thing in our relationship and we're working through, we're learning to communicate better. We're working through, um, we came from very different upbringings. We're working through all of that, but he's still just like, I just don't know. I just don't know. Unbeknownst to me this entire time from like the day he met me, he had been going into church and lighting a candle specifically for me to pray for me and my future spouse, (laughs) because he thought that I was a wonderful Orthodox Catholic girl and I would be a wonderful wife and mom and I deserved a wonderful Catholic husband and it was not him. Absolutely (laughs) was not. So I don't know, we're like a year and a half in and he shares that with me and oh, melt my heart. Like I swoon and I'm like, I'll love you forever. (laughs) It is you. You just don't, but God and I know it. And he was like, it probably is me but I'm not there yet. So we keep dating. Things are just, I mean, things are going better and and we're communicating better. And I don't know, about two years in, he looks at me and he says, you will be my wife. All of a sudden? Yeah. It was kind of just like, we were just talking and he was like, you need to know you will be my wife. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I'm going to stay. And he he goes, no, 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 no. Stop. Did I ask you a question? (laughs) And I'm like, no, but he said, no, no, trust me. When I ask, you'll know. I'm not asking you anything. We are not engaged. I am just letting you know you will be my wife. It will happen in the future sometime. So just be prepared. And I'm like, what is that? He goes, when I ask, I'm only asking once. So don't try to play games and don't be like coy and, oh, no, I don't know, because I'll walk away. And he was like, so you just, you know, I will ask at some point Mm. and you should just be ready. Okay. So we continue dating. We dated for about three years before we got married. So I guess it was about two and a half years when he finally proposes. And the kick in the pants he needs to propose. So he had been talking about how if life was a grocery store and I'm a bag of chips, he has picked me up off the shelf. He's walking around the store with me. He really likes this bag of chips. He loves this bag of chips. He's pretty sure he wants to check out and take this bag of chips home. But he's not ready to check out yet. So he's just going to keep walking around the store so nobody else can pick up this bag of chips. The bag of chips was getting really tired of being walked around the store. And I was like, (laughs) shelf me or take me home. Like, seriously. So he's in confession. He's off at a gig and he's in confession. And he's talking to the priest about our relationship. And the priest says, do you love her? He says, well, yeah, yeah, I love her. And the priest says, do you want to marry her? Yeah, I want to marry her. Well or get off the pot. He was like, you are doing this girl and yourself no favors. She's not getting any younger, which is a horrible thing. But I mean, we all know what he means. You're wasting her time. You're wasting your time. If you're not the guy for her, there's a guy out there and you're standing in the way. Eternally, this isn't doing you any favors because we all know how hard it is. Well, I don't know that the priest knows, but we all know how hard it is to remain chaste and celibate in a dating relationship. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, marry her or set her free. And that was the kick in the pants he needed. And he came back and I didn't know about that until after we were married, but he came back and shortly thereafter he proposed And it was funny because he had this plan for how he was going to propose because of how 
our dating relationship had been because of him starting off really not liking me, but he kept talking to me and he couldn't figure out why he kept talking to me because he didn't like me at all. He had this plan for how he wanted to propose and he wanted me to have this beautiful proposal story to tell everybody and this amazing ring, but he didn't have a ring yet. And so we go through like three weeks of we would be hanging out or on a date or whatever and he would just get this look in his eyes and he would just start talking about how much he loved me. I love you so much. Oh, this isn't how I imagined it, but if I had a ring, I would propose to you right here. I just, I want you to be my wife. You're going to be an amazing mother. I can't wait for you to be the mother of my children. Our children, oh, just, I would just propose right here. So I go through three weeks of listening to this and I'm like, getting kind of tired of it. I'm like, just propose already. If you love me, I don't care about a ring, just propose. So we're at my mom's house, we're watching TV and I'm like laying like on him half asleep and he's petting my hair, which is why I'm half asleep because that puts me to sleep. And he goes through the whole, I just, you're so beautiful. I love you so much. You're going to be such an amazing mother. I can't wait to have kids with you. If I had a ring, I would just propose right here. And I tell him, I'm like, I don't care about the ring. If you proposed, I would say, yes, I don't have to have a ring. And he asked me if I meant it and I did. And he proposes, Rebecca, will you marry me? I'm half asleep. And I think I shrugged. And I was like, (laughs) sure. And then I wake up and I'm like, wait a minute, what? And he looks at me and he goes, I'm not asking again. So I'm like, yes, 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 yes. So we're engaged, no ring. We go ring shopping, which he had not planned to take me ring shopping. I like diamonds. I mean, like, what girl doesn't like a diamond here and there? But I didn't really want a diamond engagement ring. They're really expensive. It just wasn't my thing. And I had kept talking about, like, when I would drop hints about the ring I wanted, I I would tell him, I'm like, I'm a chubby girl. I can't have dainty jewelry, so it can't (laughs) be too small, but I want it to be delicate. I want it to be a bold but delicate piece of jewelry. And I'm okay if it's like a peridot or a sapphire or an opal. Like it doesn't, don't need a diamond. It can be something really pretty and unique. So we're ring shopping and he tells me the budget. Our budget is $500. And in his mind, he wanted to get a pearl. And we couldn't like, we found pearl solitaire rings, which I just don't find very pretty. And why did he want to get a pearl? Well, he wanted to get a pearl because that's what I am to him. I'm his pearl. There's a story of a piece of sand gets into the clam and it really irritates the clam. So the clam starts covering it with the saliva and whatever. And eventually the sand that was so irritating becomes a pearl and the clam doesn't want to let it go because it's this beautiful, precious thing. That's what I am for him. I'm his pearl. I started off as this piece of sand that was really irritating and he just couldn't stand. And he was like, and then... (laughs) He woke up one day and he thought, crap, I love her. I can't let her go. And then he walked around the store with me for another two years um, (laughs) before proposing. So that's why he wanted to get a pearl. Um, There's also symbolism with pearls in the Bible and and things like that. But the big thing was that I am his pearl. Well, there weren't any pearl rings we liked. And everybody, everywhere we went, there people are, no, you want a diamond. A diamond's the hardest gemstone. It can, it can cut glass. It's really sturdy and it can withstand everyday wear and tear. A pearl is so fragile. You have to take care of a pearl. You, you can't just wear it and be willing nilly. And they were all, you know, no, don't get a pearl. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. Well, none of them had any rings that we liked, pearl or otherwise, in our budget. 
So we wind up at Macy's and they're having a big fine jewelry sale. And then on top of that, it's one of those, if you get a Macy's card, you get an extra percentage off. And he didn't have a Macy's card, so he got one. So we're looking and we find this ring and it's a pearl that's centered in three interlocking rings of diamonds. And so it's a big ring, but it's also very delicate looking. And it's, I I mean, we both, I loved it and he did. And it was just one of those like... I think that's the ring. It's $1,200, far above our budget. And the sales lady comes over and she's like, well, let's see what it is after all the discounts. And so she does the fine jewelry discount. And then she does the, if he gets approved and uses a Macy's card discount. And our total with tax and including a a three-year warranty, $512. Mm. And it was just, that was kind of the, oh, well, Thanks, Thanks, God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and it's just, I love my ring. Like, there's so much symbolism in it. Talking about how diamonds are this really strong, hard stone. And, you know, and people would be like, and that's why it's on an engagement ring for a strong marriage and this and that. And I'm going to call bull on it. Because marriage isn't a diamond. Marriage, your marriage is not just going to sit there and be strong. It needs nurturing and it needs protection. Marriage is a pearl. It is special and it is precious. You can't just, you know, hit it against a window all day long and expect it to not be damaged. You can't abuse it. Mm -hmm. You have to protect it. You have to take care of it. And here I have this engagement ring that is a pearl, not only because I am Harold's pearl, but our marriage is a pearl. It's something that we both cherish and, and we have to protect and take care of. And here, this, this beautiful, precious pearl is nestled in three interlocking circles of diamonds. And we're sitting there and it was just like, well, that's us and God in our marriage. Yeah. That's the Holy Trinity. Like if, if our pearl, if our marriage, if our family that comes from that marriage if we stay grounded in the Trinity, and I mean, talk about perfect love. If diamonds are so strong and beautiful, and we have three interlocking circles of diamonds for this fantastic, strong love, I mean, that is the Trinity. And if our marriage and family, if we can stay founded in the Trinity, we'll be okay. Well, I mean, it's not that things will always be easy, but we'll be okay. We are protected. And in real life like you have a picture of the ring yeah you'll notice there are two diamonds missing but the pearl is okay (laughs) like the ring has been through some abuse and i've lost two diamonds but the pearl is okay i love my ring it reminds me and it's yeah i've I've never seen anything like it either yeah it's super unique so and we just uh like my wedding band is um i have fat fingers so it's a men's wedding band from walmart (laughs) Because I needed something flat that would fit under my ring. I think we spent like 20 bucks on my wedding band. It does its job. That's awesome. Well, as long as it does its job. You know. Yeah. It's a reminder of my vows to uh, my husband and his vows to me. Yeah. There so, you go. It's been a good six years. And it's been, I don't know, everything is, I mean, we've had to, we were married for four months when we found out we were pregnant with Victor. And then we found out not, I mean... We'd known we were pregnant for about two weeks when we found out that um, there was no heartbeat and that he was he was probably dead and that we would miscarry. And then it was another week before the miscarriage actually happened. 
And it was just one of those things like that can tear people apart. And we're newlyweds. Yeah. If we didn't have that foundation, if we didn't have our faith, it would have. But it was just, I mean, it sucks. It hurts. But it's okay. Yeah. You know? And it was one, it was an amazing thing because we talked like in talking about and processing that, we realized like we had made a vow to be open to life. And what we didn't realize in making the vow, but then we realize now, is really we're giving our fiat to be open to whatever life God gives us. Mm. And with Victor, you know, our goal as parents is to help our kids get to heaven. And he's there, you know, like our love begat. We got to participate in the creation of an eternal soul, which is amazing. And it's a miracle in and of itself. And then our kid got to go straight to heaven. Yeah. So, I mean, there are worse things and we all, you know, every parent is going to suffer for their kids, whether you're suffering through the pain of a miscarriage or stillbirth, or you're suffering through watching your adult child make horrendous choices or you're suffering through, well, I mean, our um, youngest, well, when she was born, she has congenital hypothyroidism. So we got to suffer through a whole lot of blood sticks and MRIs and stuff to figure out exactly what was going on and still do every three months. But then she had an infection that she had to be put under and have surgery for. And it took them seven sticks to get an IV. And it was Absolutely the most horrendous thing. Like, I couldn't do anything for her. I just had to watch them keep stabbing my child over and over and over and digging around in her veins trying to get an IV to stick. And the one they got was really crappy. So once they finally put her under, the anesthesiologist pulled that one and they did two more in surgery so that she'd have them for post-op. But, I mean, you suffer for your children. So it's just kind of one of those things like, we're okay with it, you know? We'll suffer for our children and three of them happen to be you know like we're halfway there right now with our kids over halfway there because we've only got two to worry about on earth (laughs) which is a good thing because they're a handful yeah yeah (laughs) so i don't know it's just been it's been really blessed like we've been together now for almost 10 years total between dating and marriage and it hasn't always been easy but it has always been really blessed. Mm-hmm. Like he is an amazing man of faith. I, and like I was, I was telling you before, I've never met somebody with the faith that he has mm-hmm. where he is just like, don't worry about it. It'll happen. It'll be in God's time, but it'll, he'll take care of it. We'll be okay. He has always taken care of us. And he always has. Mm-hmm. I have seen mountains move because of his faith. And I've never witnessed that before in my life. Yeah. Very few people have that kind of faith. He's been, I thank God for him. He's such a blessing to me and to our kids. And like, it's so funny because we were talking the other day and I was really upset about, I was, I was mad at him and I was upset about other stuff. And I'm, you know, I've been hormonal. I was just like, I was crying and I was angry and I was looking at him and I'm like, I hate this. I'm hormonal like a pregnant lady, but I'm not pregnant anymore. And I don't like you right now. And I don't feel like you're doing a good job taking care of me. And, and I don't feel loved and I don't feel cherished. And he looked at me and he laughed. Oh, and I was like, I know you're laughing at me. He goes, honey, honey, I'm sorry. 
but you were just last night telling me how fiercely I love you and how you're so lucky and blessed and how much you love me and that that you think I'm great. And now, like, you hate me? And I'm like, I don't hate you, but I just don't feel very loved. <laughs> and he hugs me and he's like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, he's very patient, which is nice. He has his moments. I'm patient, too. Yeah. When I'm not in a crazy hormonal uh, state... I know, like he's just. But he wasn't at all what you expected. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all what I expected. I had this idea in my head of what I wanted my husband to be. And it's funny because the important stuff, he is. Yeah. The idea that I had, it's him. But it's just not. You know, it's the whole you pray for something and God will answer your prayers, but it's not in the way you expect. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's that kind of a thing. He's not like the big, strong, like obvious mm, alpha. (laughs) He's very sensitive and he he is very confident while being I mean, like sometimes sometimes he's just straight up arrogant. Um, but he's also humble and he's also very willing to like step aside. He's, he doesn't have to grab at power. He doesn't, he, it's none of that stuff. It's so funny because sometimes I'm like, I don't want you to be you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I want, (laughs) just take charge, just pull my hair. Not really. Mm -hmm. But, um, he's very like, one of the ways that he loves me is that he just wants me to be happy. Mm -hmm. And so he's very willing to give up what he wants if I want something different, which seems easy. But, I mean, really, he dies to himself on a daily basis. Mm. And that's what he would he joked before we got married. He was like, well, <clears throat> welcome to the funeral. <laughs> but And it was funny because when the bishop married us, he talked in his homily at our wedding about how Marriage is about dying to yourself, which is what Harold meant when he was talking about a funeral. He's such a great example of that. Mm. Like, he's always, what do you need? What do the girls need? How can we, you know, what can we do? And it's just, yeah, he loves God, and then he loves us. And he's an amazing man, and it's nothing, nothing like I ever would have imagined. I didn't imagine it would be difficult to get pregnant. I didn't imagine that we would have three miscarriages. I didn't imagine that we would be on cancer watch. I, there's so many things I did not imagine. I had a very idyllic I, image in my head of what marriage and family and everything would be like and what a perfect wife I would be, and I'm not at all. <laughs> Frequently, I'm like, I'm such a crappy wife. I'm so sorry. And he's like, you know, you're not. You're fantastic. Aww. You're beautiful. You love these girls, and they love you, and you love me, and I love you, and you love God, and it's a great thing, and you... Yeah, he's he's amazing. He really builds me up most of the time. But it's just not what I imagined. When I would pray about my future and my family, it was... No, Harold's face is not the face I saw. And this isn't the life I saw. Yeah. But I also, like, now I can't imagine anything yeah. else. And you if know? you had known at that time that this was what would await you, you might have... I mean... I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) If you would have been like, yeah, sign me up. (laughs) It's a hard thing. That's a hard question. Because, like, to know that this is what awaited me and to know the crosses that we would be asked to carry, if I knew 
the graces that we would been have been given. And I mean, truly, and I know this is not the case for everyone, but for us, truly, our crosses between secondary infertility and the miscarriages, the burden is easy and the yoke is light. Mm. I mean, God has been carrying us through all of it yeah. completely and totally. It's an, it sounds strange to say it's an easy cross. But you've gotten but to rely know. so much on, like you've gotten so much closer, I think, to to Jesus. We have. Yeah. We have, absolutely. And it's, I mean, I don't know that we would have lasted. I don't know if we would have survived miscarrying Victor, much less the year and a half of infertility after that. I don't know that our marriage would have survived without Jesus. Because, frankly, like, without Jesus, it doesn't make sense. Right. It just doesn't. And and why go through? Why accept the suffering? Why accept the cross if there's no point to it? But thankfully, I mean, like, with Jesus, we know our suffering has redemption. And that was before we miscarried Lucy, I was bleeding, and we were pretty sure we were going to miscarry, but it wasn't confirmed. And I had a come-to-Jesus chat with God. Those are always fun. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> I kept talking about the baby. And it was funny because every time I said the baby, I would hear this little voice in my head whisper, Lucy. Aww. And I was like, so God, the baby, Lucy, the baby, Lucy. So like the fourth time I was like, fine, you've na- her name's Lucy. Okay, Lucy. So let's talk about Lucy, God. I want to keep her, <laughs> you know? But it's the whole, if we can participate in his cross and in the redemption of it. If our suffering, if us being willing to accept this cross and unite our suffering with him, if Lucy being in heaven and getting to the work of the church triumphant, if her prayers are like the grain of rice that tipped the scales for one soul. Yeah to be freed from purgatory or for one soul on earth to come to Jesus, you know, for, for Satan to lose the grip on one soul. That's worth it. Yeah. I mean, and, and there are names there. There are plenty of people that I'm like, well, I'm kind of hoping that I'm participating in the redemptive, <laughs> like my redemptive suffering is going to them. <laughs> but even if it's not, I mean, if Lucy, if the suffering that we are offering back if Lucy's prayers, if Victor's prayers, if Hans' prayers, Hans's, how do you, it's weird to plural, a, a plural name, anyway. If any of their prayers, I mean, if that is part of saving a stranger, it's worth it. Yeah. God loves you, so I love you. Get to heaven. <laughs> We're all on the journey together. Let's get there. And, you know? And, and Jesus is letting us help bake the cake, and it might be full of spit and boogers because we're like, you know, spiritual children, and we suck at helping bake cakes and make a big mess of it. But isn't it beautiful that he lets us help? Yeah. So, you know, if my crappy little baked cake with Jesus will help, let it be. Yeah. And it's, he's been, Harold's been a rock through that too. It's nice to have somebody who uh, bears the cross equally. Yeah. You know, I'm not alone. Yeah. Which is such a blessing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. My pleasure. And for sharing your story. (laughs) I hope it wasn't too rambly. No. 
So Becky is super awesome. I love her. I wish I could have been there to meet her. I know. You all would really like each other, I think. <laughs> What's your background with her? Can you tell us a little bit about how you met and I why, honestly, why her when you went to visit home? <laughs> I don't remember when I met her. We've just been friends for a long time. We've known each other through church and uh, mutual friends. And why her? She's just she's just super fun. She has a great sense of humor, and she's also super open about things. I think she's a great storyteller, and I always really like to keep up with her and uh, you know on Facebook or in real life. Yeah, she seems so fun and buoyant and yeah. full of joy. Yeah, and just hearing her story. It was it was just a beautiful thing to hear her talk about not just the happiness but you know the real life pain and frustration and grief that could go with real life. Yeah, out of everyone I know, she's one of those people who has experienced a lot of pain but she retains this amazing peace about it and this really beautiful faith through everything. And she's able to acknowledge the pain, but not let it destroy her or her marriage or her life. Yeah, you know, let's go back to uh, her romance. Yeah. Her lack thereof (laughs) with Harold. Yeah. Just from how they met and how they just kept crossing paths. And, you know, it's like, I would never know that you're my future husband, my future wife. Right. It totally goes against everything you would expect for a romance story. It's so great because there really is a God. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, wow, how did they... I mean, it was kind of a rom-com almost. Yeah. And when he talks about, or where she talks about him and the pearl and how that was symbolic of their relationship. I just... Yeah, how he made it. He he kept dating her even though after every single time he saw her and every single phone call he was like nope not for me (laughs) and she at the same time was also having doubts like well I really don't feel like he's the one for me so two things one is the irritant and that being becoming the pearl yeah I think that is a beautiful picture. That guy can make anything beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and the ring is gorgeous. We'll put it up on our yeah. website. It's it's perfect for what I know of their story. And yeah. I only know what I know from this interview. Yeah. Um, and the second thing was going back to him kind of being resistant to them together, but him going and praying for her and lighting a candle for her yeah. future husband. I'm like, that's you. You lit, you lit a fire for that's, yourself. Isn't that so, so cool? That is really, really cool. And I love that that was part of his journey. Yeah. You know, like I love... And who knows how God was working because mm-hmm. of those prayers for himself. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. I think that when you have friends that you're praying for and you're like, you would be really perfect. I mean, not for me, but you know, I'm going to pray for someone really good for you. And that ends up being yourself. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did laugh at when I was listening to this, uh, listening back on it, was the not proposals. Yeah. I mean, how irritated would you be? <laughs> just like your boyfriend every night. It's just like, oh, I, I, I'd really want to pr- propose to you right now. You know, if only I had a ring. You're just like two, two and a half years. Just like, hello, this is not, this is not cool. Like, 
Yeah. It's funny. It's like a tease. Yeah. And it's funny that he had this big plan and vision for how he would propose, and that didn't work out either. (laughs) You you know, basically, like, their whole story is filled with expectations and plans that just didn't work out, but what ended up happening was still really filled with grace, and you can still really see God working in it, even though it totally wasn't what they expected or initially even wanted. I mean, this was definitely a case of if you want to make God laugh. Right, exactly. Plans, right? Tell him your plans. Yeah. And uh, and with him doing the not proposals, I, I would kind of just be like, well, why don't you just plan something? Yeah. Stop telling me about it. Right. <laughs> like, like, just do it. Like, something nice and simple. And, you yeah, know, it's like, do you not know girls at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, another thing that was really funny when she brought up, he is not the typical alpha is that what she said yeah Uh, i just thought that was hilarious because he ended up being this like very sensitive type and at the same time it's like duh that is what women want women want to be men to be attentive and not to be super aggressive and frankly yeah i think honestly knowing her she probably would have butted heads even though that was kind of the image that she had Mm -hmm. of a man that she wanted i think her she works a lot better with him who she actually ended up being with and as she said in the interview he really has been a rock for their marriage you know so it's not like he's not strong he's just strong in a different way i agree you know the steady rational type um yeah, I thought that was really funny when she was talking about her mood swing, you yeah. know, where it's like one day, you're the best, and I love you, and I love that we're married, and you're such a good husband. The next day is like, yeah, I don't feel cared for, I don't feel like you love me, and you're just like, oh my gosh, is this what the future holds Awaits. for having children? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But all the fundamental things were there for her in him. Right. And a, a case of opposites attract in yeah. a way. Because she seems, again, I don't know her personally, but she seems very A-type. And for him to just be the counter to that, not that he's any less than her, but they just have their they personality. Yeah, complementarianism yeah. is in play here. <laughs> yeah, and that really has come into play with, I mean, they're both super faithful people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they get all of their strength from really and they and they really support each other and that's really come into play recently because she with the loss of this last baby um she had a tumor now she's on cancer watch and it'll be really really dangerous for her if she gets pregnant again like life-threatening dangerous and so her doctor said you absolutely cannot get pregnant for the next six months and so she's like okay well the only way that we can really guarantee that is to not have sex Mm-hmm. For six months. Mm-hmm. And her doctor was like, uh, yeah, right. Like, I'm going to be really surprised if you all end up making it. And she's like, but she ended up telling me, you know, it is hard, but it's also freeing at the same time. Because before he used to only give her back rubs so to, in order to have sex with her, and basically. <laughs> and now he has given her back rubs just to give her back rubs. Just and now he loves her. Yeah, now she's able to enjoy those back rubs, not because she knows she's going to have to, like, put out after. <laughs> As if it's, like, this big chore. Well, I guess that's a whole different episode. Yeah. <laughs> but they were both just like, wow. You know, he's like, wow, I can just give you a back rub w- because I love you without wanting something from you. And she's like, yeah, I can just receive it and just enjoy it. 
And that's so that's it's I really admire them for finding even the positive in that situation because, you know, that is scary and could be potentially really, really hard. And yeah. well, that was one of the things that stuck out. You know, she has this great joy and sense of peace. Yeah. About every aspect in their story. Yeah. And I I think she's great. Yeah. So it's their story. I just love it because it is completely the opposite of a fairy tale romance. It deviates at every step from what you might expect and what you might think would work out. But you see at every step of the way also how much grace is there and how much God was working in their lives because they were open to God and they wanted more than anything to be faithful to his will. Yeah, it's beautiful. I really love that. So the Bible, well, because we were talking about pearls, we <laughs> thought of this verse, mm-hmm. which is Matthew thirteen forty five and 46, which is, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. So it just adds like another really cool dimension to that metaphor of their relationship. Yeah, I hear that about buying it because it's like he talks about her being a bag of chips. <laughs> Walking around the store for two and a half years with his bag Having of chips. Having your bag of chips. Like I don't want anyone else to touch it, but like I don't want it. But I don't right want to check now. out yet. So I don't know how I feel about it. I think it's really a funny image and it's really cute. I think it's hilarious. And I really like that how honest he was yeah. about it, you know. But I'm like, okay, from the bag of chips to the pearl, but then you were irritating. That's why you're the pearl. I'm like, what every girl wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, but their, their story is really adorable. And I, I love that they found each other in, in this way. And it's not the fairy tale Disney princess story of old but it's definitely a (laughs) rom-com where you really don't think that they're going to get together and in the end somehow somehow it works somehow it works god's the best writer well do you have an update on your wedding wedding planning um i have a lot of really sexy spreadsheets uh with Hmm. my guest list and my budget and all the things that a producer would do so uh but the thing that i'm excited about is my mom she we're having the wedding up in san jose and she's just been visiting venues for me on my behalf and uh my maid of honor was just recently in town so i actually got to talk to her in person about being my maid of honor and so she came home just this last weekend so her and my mom are on locations because they live in town (laughs) so we actually should be booking a location this week which i'm very excited about and that's within two weeks of our engagement so you know producering Mm. doing it anyway Thank you for listening to our podcast. This has been episode 10 of Fishers of Men, a podcast about relationships and your walk with Jesus. Today you heard from my friend, Becky Nixon. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com. We are also on Facebook under Fishers of Men and on Twitter as at LA Gone Fishing. We'd also love to hear about your real-life dating moments. Feel free to send us a two-minute story about your experience. I'm Laura Samara. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.